the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It is a delight to do so with our good friend Sam Stone. He is a political consultant in town. He is the host of his own radio show, Heard, right here every Saturday at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds, and he has a wonderful, uh, wonderfully active and smart uh, Twitter account uh, or X account, whatever you want to call him, at Sam the Paul P O L. How are you, Sam? Should we start calling it a Twix account? I guess that's right. <laughs> let's okay. l- all right. Let's you and I do that and see if we can <laughs> sweep the nation and saturate the nation and cause this, create this neologism. Let's yeah, do and it. then we can we can get a, a fantastic copyright fight going between Elon Musk and whatever giant corporation. It's the only candy bar with the cookie crunch, I believe. Caramel I shortbread chocolate bar made by Mars. We often ask you about uh, food categories and recommendations. What's what's the best candy bar? Twix has to be up there. Oh, Twix is Twix is top five for sure. Okay, uh, all right. Snickers is top five for sure. Okay. Here's my problem. The number one, the champ, the king of all candy bars, was ruined by its parent corporation like two years ago or three years ago, Butterfinger. Oh, what was the what was the parent corporation that ruined it? I don't I don't even know which corporation it is, but they changed the formula. Oh, no good. No yeah, good. so you, you know, if you remember, it used to be like really hard and crunchy. Which Ferrara I, I Candy liked, Company. Was, that yeah. who's ever heard of them? Okay, good. That's uh, why. I, yeah. I haven't, but they ruined it. They yeah. ruined it. So that's off the list. I'm going to throw one out there that I think is totally, or two that I think are, are totally underrated. Yeah. Uh, first, Baby Ruth. Yes. Yes. Baby Ruth is totally underrated and not named after Babe Ruth, by the way, against conventional wisdom to the contrary. No, and that's, that's a great story, too, right? Yep. Like everyone, it came out at that time, so everyone assumed right. that it was named after Babe Ruth, it but wasn't. it was actually. Yeah. Right. It was I'm, after I'm Grover that. Cleveland's daughter. Yes. Ma, ma, where's my pa going to the White House? Ha, ha, ha. Grover oh. Cleveland's daughter to an un, a woman he was not married to, baby Ruthie. I See? You, Seth, uh, this is why I love you, because you know things. Yeah, but I know the best candy bar also, um, and you've named good ones. There's one, it's hard to find now, you can get it at some retro places, the Abba Zabba Bar. Do you remember the Abba Zabba Bar? It's a yellow packaging with a black kind of squiggle through it. I do. Taffy I do. with a peanut butter center. It, it, which is, is very good. Yeah. It's very good. I'm going to throw one more on there that's not, like, super popular. Okay. The Salted Nut Rule. Oh, I haven't had one of those in forever. Those are so good because they're like they got just enough sweetness to those salty peanuts. Yeah, you get the salty and the savory, the sweetness and yeah. the savory. Do you, you're a peanut butter fan. You're good with the peanut butter candy, right? Oh, I absolutely am. You know, I come from the generation that didn't have peanut allergies. <laughs> yeah, no one did. And 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 here's my thing, Sam. This will test the true bonds of friendship or 
the consanguinity of all living things. Knowing that you like peanut butter and clearly chocolate, um, what is the better peanut butter chocolate? Is it Reese's Pieces or peanut butter? Not peanut, but peanut butter M&M's. There is a right answer. Oh, peanut butter M&M's. There you go. That's it. That's the right answer. Well done. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's actually not even close. Like, it's those not are close. Super underrated. Yeah, yeah. The peanut butter M&M's. Okay. Have we left ever anything off the table or in the table? Does young David want to weigh in with 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 a, with a bad idea here? I have a feeling you do. Bad ideas. Yeah. Do you have a bad candy? You want? <laughs> They're to... the only kind of ideas that I have. Apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those are my principles. If you don't like them, I'll find others. Okay. Fine. <laughs> you were anim- By the way, Sam, you were animated or at least posted something uh, on your Twitter account that I spent probably three hours on yesterday, and it's the letter that the White House Counsel's Office sent to the mainstream media on CNN, to CNN, NBC, Washington Post, a letter where the White House, a special special advisor to the president, special assistant, sorry, special assistant to the president who works in the White House Counsel's Office, writes to to the New York Times and CNN, it's time for the media to ramp up its scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on, they're now just telling the press what to do. We suspected all along that the media was the publicity arm of the DNC and the White House. Now there's no shame about it. They're just openly telling them, please print these stories and investigate reports. Republicans, as if they needed it, by the way. Yeah, no, I mean, so this is kind of an interesting thing to me. It's it's a really interesting escalation of this sort of, uh, you know, culture war, um, media war that's going on, because it's like you said, they didn't really need this. I mean, previously, what they would have just done is gone to Media Matters. You tell them and then let Media Matters spread the word. Mm-hmm. And then all these liberal journalists will follow it anyway. Yeah. You didn't have to send a letter, so why did you do it? I mean, it, it's literally like, you know, so if, if Seth, if you, I don't know if you're a dog person. I, Dagny I the Wonder dog. dog is the love of my life, 14 okay, years there we young. Go. Yes. Um, I, I don't keep a dog because I, I pretty much just like big dogs. I've yes. always been a, a German Shepherd sure, guy. Sure. Um, and my lifestyle right now it just doesn't lend itself to that because right. – I'd end up having to hand it to a friend all the time when I'm traveling and for work and that kind of thing. Um, but if you've ever gone to like a dog, you know, had your dog go through a dog training class and they bring them out at the end and we do all that. the, you know, yes. parade and show yes. off all yes. the stuff they can do. Like, isn't that what this is? Aren't they like literally just bringing them all out for the parade? Look at them all do tricks for us. It's really quite incredible. It, 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 that's a good analogy. You know, I was astounded as you and I have been documenting the fall of the media and the fall of their jobs and their efforts, I was astounded. You know, the media loves to wrap themselves up in the First Amendment whenever someone asks them about their sources or tries to find out something about a a confidential informant uh, that they may be using to spread a leak from the White House. Uh, They always wrap themselves in the First Amendment. They They have an absolutist view of the First Amendment whenever it comes to uh, investigating or asking them questions. And I, um, I think just as the 51 intelligence officials should be asked to surrender or required to surrender their, cl- their, their security clearances for the abuse of them, I think the media ought to be uh, 
required to never again invoke the First Amendment after this. In the Pentagon Papers case, you know, from uh, 1970, uh, what was it, 1973, 74, 73, uh, William Douglas and Hugo Black wrote, in the First Amendment, the Founding Fathers gave the press the protection it must have to fulfill its essential role in our democracy. The press was to serve the governed, not the governors. The government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure the government. Has the media forgotten who they're in the service of here? Well, not only have they forgotten who they're in the service of, but more, you know, I think more perniciously is that this, a lot of this, a lot of this. So what we're seeing, whether it's in the culture wars or this sort of uh, media, media, uh, dog training that Democrats have achieved or what's going on in our schools. So much of it comes from this very uh, specific liberal white elite view, this Ivy League view that we're a special class of people who are trained to govern and tell other people how to run their yes. lives. And there are no limits to what we can and should do to achieve those outcomes because of our superior nature and our superior education. Kate Gallego here in Phoenix is like the avatar of this, right? Um, And so if you watch her, the way she runs the city of Phoenix, she basically does not allow, and she's gone out now, we we talked about this a lot when I was campaigning, but she's gone out now and bought up a council majority. But before that happened, her way of, of interacting with everybody on the council floor was to just go tell them what they had to do. And anyone who pushed back against that, she really came down on and now she's gotten rid of them. And so this view only can survive without competition. And that's why this media dog training that they have achieved is so critically important for Democrats, because if you shine a light, if the public really saw what was going on with all our cities, if they really saw what was going on with our federal budget, if they really saw what was going on uh, in you know, the border and all these kind of things, they would not elect these people anymore. This expert class would be thrown out en masse because they are a giant failure. Mm-hmm. And so the, the way they protect themselves in that continued sense of superiority is by ensuring that no other narrative can exist. So you look at the censorship industrial complex they've built. You look at the way they're disciplining the media. You look at the way they have politicized the DOJ and the courts and are using them against people who speak out. This is a very concerted cultural uh, takeover that they are trying to complete. And, and they're very close. And that's why these coming election is so critical. And that's why um, you sent me an article earlier. Today. Yeah, that's a good segue to it, actually, because you mentioned the culture. This is a Dan Henninger piece. Into, yeah, let me take the quick commercial break and we'll pick up on that if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. OK, great. Thank you. Sam Stone and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960 is the number. Sam Stone is our guest. Sam the Pole, P-O-L, on, um, on Twix. On, on Twix. Twix. On Twix, yes. which is our uh, portmanteau of Twitter and X. And uh, that's exactly what it is. It's a portmanteau of Twitter and X. Young David, look up portmanteau and tell me if we taught you a new word and if I'm using it right. Portmanteau. Sam, you had mentioned the culture and this undeniable 
feeling in the country right now where people almost feel, you know, people usually are what make up a culture. But there's this there's this sense, it seems to me, that people feel the culture is kind of against them, a culture they can't quite put their finger on. It's a lot of different institutions. And uh, Dan Henninger, Daniel Henninger in today's uh, Wall Street Journal has a has a piece, the Democrats have demoted personal responsibility. Republican presidential candidates should not stop talking about the culture. You want to you want to take it from there a little bit? Yeah, I, I really appreciated you sending that piece up because I think it's right on. You know, I, I think we talked about many months ago, actually, when Donald Trump um, appeared to be in an actual primary with Ron DeSantis, right. which doesn't appear to be the case Correct. anymore that Trump was kind of running away from the culture war. People were saying, well, this isn't good ground to fight on, both because DeSantis has has that ground and, and you know, for reasons coming from the left, saying this is going to hurt. I disagreed very strongly. I continue to disagree strongly. I'm very glad, actually, now that Trump has, has more or less put DeSantis in his rearview mirror, that uh, he has returned to those themes. He's not running away from them anymore. I think it's absolutely essential. And look at the impact when you actually do fight back against these things. And we're seeing this big time um, in Virginia, right? Uh, When Youngkin won, Youngkin would not have won that governorship. He would not have gotten there without the culture war battle in our schools coming to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think when you do, I mean, the reason that a lot of folks don't want you to go there is is on our side they're not comfortable on on that ground and on democrat side they realize they're standing on very thin ice especially for instance with some of the minority voters that they count on so much hispanics and even black americans are not nearly as woke or far out on western left culture as white elite liberals mm-hmm. and the white elite liberals just what we were talking about, this, you know, sort of amorphous blob um, are really trying to drive the culture in this direction that the average person just has no interest in. There was a great poll in California that just came out. They've been talking about reparations. Twenty eight percent support it. Fifty nine percent are totally opposed and like 13 percent aren't sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So more than two to one, totally opposed. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to the media narrative and to the, the public narrative, you you would imagine that there is huge popular support for this, mm-hmm. right? Every mm-hmm. time there's a news piece on it on TV, all they do is run around and interview people who are like, oh, this would change my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't talk to the other people who are like, I ain't paying for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is – that piece was really good talking about fighting the culture war. But, but really, so much of that culture war, as Henninger's piece says – comes down to a war over personal responsibility. Yes. yes. And one side in the traditional American values and values that are important to the working class of self, you know, self accountability and hard work, dedication, uh, doing things the right way. These things are things that Democrats are deliberately trying to throw out. And the reason is very clear. Accountable, self-sufficient, strong, hardworking people do not need or want government to run their life. Mm-hmm. There's only one type of person that wants or needs government to run their life, and that's someone who views a life of dependency as a ideal situation, someone who has no personal accountability or personal ambition, um, that kind of thing. And so 
what you really have now, uh, and someone actually today brought up the, the comment from Mitt Romney when he ran for president years ago that he got beat up on saying 47% of the people don't oh, care because they don't pay any taxes. Right, 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 right. right. That, that is central to this. Yes. Why, why is this accelerating so much? Why is this anti-accountability movement on the Democrat side accelerating so fast? It's because we've reached the tipping point when a majority of voters are dependent and not self-sufficient. We've seen this from the Democratic Party and the left in a, in a, in a trajectory that started in World War II and has is, and is accelerated every decade further and further. Uh, to uh, fifth gear under the Lyndon Johnson administration and the real uh, increase of the welfare state. Um, we've seen it uh, with every Democrat. Which LBJ yes, was, was super cynically uh, right. direct about, right. yes. that he knew he was buying voters. That's right. That's right. And then I suppose the latest iteration of that would be the Biden administration's college loan scam. Uh, and the and the and the lifting of the personal responsibility for that having me, or actually not me, but having a hardworking, uh, you name it, a trucker, plumber, policeman, fireman, you name it, who may or may not have gone to college, paying the bill of he or she who can't get a job and did, and it's not only, of course, the relaxation or diminution or attenuation of personal responsibility for the latter person. Um, it's an erasure that anyone it's 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 an evisceration of any notion that anyone needs to have personal responsibility if they do the thing the Democrats want you to do. By the way, it's no mistake that there's an there's an incentive there for kids to go to college because it gives you the ideology that will keep the Democratic Party in power. Um, that, that's that's its own side issue to this. But when you yes. put the welfare state together with that, you're 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 no longer <laughs> surprise surprise. We have a declining marriage rate, fifty uh, percent less than what it was in 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 the nineteen eighties. You're marrying the government. The government is your new spouse, which was exactly the intent. And the outcome has so many negative consequences. But you know, think back to what Barack Obama said uh, during the the two thousand eight nine financial crisis. Um, you know, when he's talking about, oh, don't worry, you're going to be OK. You don't actually need to have a job. You're still going to have a roof over your head. You're going to have something to eat and something to watch on TV. That and, and look at the way now they're talking. They're trying. As far as I can tell, like, look at the law California just passed for a twenty dollar uh, wage for fast food workers, minimum wage for fast food workers with annual increases and all these other costs attached to it. What are they trying to do? They're trying to drive those businesses out of business. Yeah, Why? Yeah. The the fewer businesses, the fewer independent, self-sufficient people. And, and chains are actually a big threat because for a lot of entrepreneurs, their first business uh, is often a franchise. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, it's been traditionally right. a way for for people right. in minority communities That's to achieve their first business. Absolutely right. That's absolutely and right. why are they targeting it so strongly? Because those are the messengers they can't allow. Let me take a quick break and come back. Yes, Sam Stone is my guest. He is the host of Breaking Battlegrounds, and um, you can hear it every Saturday here at three in the afternoon on Saturdays on nine sixty. Check him out on Twix. Twitter and X. We'll say it for a couple of weeks just till it fully takes over and we have syntactical saturation on that. 
at Sam the Paul. Who you know, I'll be right back. Boy, that that voice, Keith Whitley, just throws you back on your heels. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam, um, young David, did I use portmanteau correctly for our? Yes, you did. Of course, we did. Of course, we did. <laughs> it means to carry a mantle. It's blending two words together, right? So. Um, if you post on what you used to call Twitter or now call X, just call it Twix. We were talking about candy bars, though. I'm afraid that we might have a lawsuit from a candy bar company if we keep this up. <laughs> I say bring it. All right. You, let Elon Musk defend it. He's got the money for it. Sam and I, okay. Sam, Sam and I will just be uh, amicus curiae, right, Sam? That's correct. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, look, at the end of the day, uh, they, they did try to take Alex Jones's cat when he lost in court, so that would concern me. But other than that, I'm single. I live alone. What are they going to get? You have animals, though, that aren't dog or dogs, yes? Yes. Yeah, I, I have two cats. Okay. All right. Or one and a half, sort of. So funny. I don't think people meeting you would think you're a cat guy. I'm maybe maybe cat you don't guy. want to be known as a cat guy. Oh, no, I'm fine with it. I, I, I love cats. I love all pets. Um, I keep cats for – I have to have a pet in the house. Like a house to me just feels totally empty without a pet in it. Yeah. Like there's there's just some movement and activity, you yeah. know I mean? Um, and so I really like that. Um, then well, for my lifestyle – Also less dog, scorpions. Less scorpions. Uh, a dog is, is difficult to maintain for my lifestyle. The best part about a cat, quite frankly, and I'm going to get in trouble with like the Humane Society right now. Oh. The is spinning? that all I have to do when I leave for four or five days yeah. is put out a giant bowl of food <laughs> and, like, four big dog bowls of water. You do there was a, there was a com- comedian who had a special – did you ever watch Arrested Development? One of, the, one, of the, one of the character actors had a show – one of the uh, stars of that show had, did that. He went to Europe for a month and just emptied his whole cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you did that. So I've been gone. I, I shouldn't admit this. But I've been gone for like oh two gosh. weeks once. Uh-huh. I put out like uh-huh. put out the bag of food, turned it on its side, and I turned on the yeah. grip in my tub. Department of Feline Services uh, is yeah. going to be calling here shortly. Um, Go ahead. The cat, look, the cat likes to drink out of the faucet. Oh anyway. my gosh! Like, win, this win. is a Magnum PI episode where he got cat <laughs> uh, the cat of the year, cat uh, carer of the year award. And he told these old ladies the story about um, about when he was a kid and how they liked to play spin the cat. And you could just see their faces, <laughs> their faces falling. And he goes, no, really, the cat liked it. The cat liked I'll send you the audio. I'll send you the audio. Um, cultural issues and the Democratic Party. So, yeah, go back to that point, if you if, if you don't mind a little bit, Sam, about people, this this becoming palpable feeling that people have that the culture, which is what people usually make of themselves, is against them. They got it with COVID and the the mandates and the shutdowns and the lockdowns and the instructions. They get it with schools and education. They get it with the language police. Um, they get it with the uh, with, they're getting it with inflation. They they're getting it with the rules and regulations for their businesses. It just feels like the government and other big institutions are against the common regular American man right now or woman or anyone. I I think they are. I don't think that's a false sense on the part of folks. I mean, I think it's part of this this sort of leftist uh, Marxist type movement that we're seeing. But I also think that. There is that palpable sense, and and I think you get it on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that, again, both sides have radically different solutions to it. I've always said that uh, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are essentially two sides of the same coin, that people left and right can tell 
that government isn't working for us, that lots of things in this country are broken. But they're looking for radically different solutions. For Democrats, they're looking for that lack of accountability. They want to give up the last vestiges of accountability that they have and just turn themselves over to the government. And then on the other side are people who are saying, well, that's the cause of our problem. Why do I want that? Um, and I, I think when you look at the whole thing, there was a great, you know, he's talking about Pence um, in that piece quite a bit. And a line he had at the first debate, you know, when he responded to Vivek Ramaswamy and said, no, you know, who said, you know, there's this malaise, there's all these suicides, drug use is up, crime is up, blah, blah, blah. People have this palpable sense of impending doom. And Pence said, no, you know, Americans are optimistic. We just have to lead them the right way. And in, you know, in the piece, Henninger pointed out that that was a very winning thing to say 20 years ago. But it, now it shows a total disconnect from the life of the average American to say something like that. And I think when you look at uh, Pence and some of the others who were seen as sort of the repudiation of Trump votes in that field and the fact that they've gained no ground at all, that they're in low single digits. Huge it's, point. It's, huge point. Save it for the next segment. I don't want it lost. You're on to a huge point. Sam Stone and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam, you were making a tremendously important cultural political point right before the break. The way Mike Pence talks and people think of him in a certain area of these, for lack of a better phrase, culture wars. But you were making a point that he may not understand the culture he's talking about anymore. I, yeah, and I don't think he does, because if you look, Henninger was, was pointing out, and just to, to recover if yep. anyone's tuning in, yep. that... Um, you know, here's Pence, who, who came out in this debate and responded to Vivek Ramaswamy, who said the country's, you know, going to heck in a handbasket and saying, no, everything's great. We just need new leadership, which is kind of an old school 20 year old Republican view. The fact that there's nobody coalescing behind Pence yep. or any of these other anti-Trump candidates, yep. it's not I mean, if there is and there is legitimately 35, 40 percent of the Republican Party that really does not want Trump to be the nominee. Right. Why aren't they coalescing behind any of these candidates? It's because the old messengers like Pence do not understand the moment we're in at all. Mm-hmm. And if I think it's one of the reasons that Ramaswamy gained ground, quite frankly, was that he, you know, was was not Trump. He's talking very articulately about things. He's um, polite and engaging and friendly, and he's not nasty to people. There's a lot of reasons that that if you were against Trump, you would gravitate to someone like that. And he's talking about these issues. He's mm-hmm. talking about things that are relevant. Mm-hmm. There's only one small group of people in this country for whom the country is actually working anymore. Well, let me check that. There's two groups for whom this is working. The dependent. Yeah. They're getting more and more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the people who are government dependent are being taken care of more and more. Yeah. Everyone else is left in a position where unless you are rich and powerful and not merely rich, but connected, you know, type, mm-hmm. this doesn't work. It mm-hmm. doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for any of us. And so none of these other candidates can speak to that. And I don't even think Trump is really doing a great job right now speaking to that. He's speaking to, to something else that I think. Well, he might important. be the, I mean, he, he, yes, go. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'll come back to it. Go ahead and finish that thought. He may be speaking to what, Sam, what were you going to say? Well, he, he may get around to this more. Uh-huh. He has in the past, but 
he is speaking to the the ideological corruption of government. Okay. And what may be a bit of this is he's so unique of a kind of person. He's 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 when he said what could I what was the line I could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone? Remember that that line and it yes. would and I wouldn't lose any support. People kind of his supporters pour into him whatever they believe and he has a unique way of not dispelling that he does believe it, that he is on their side. I mean, um, I have callers who call me about things that when they tell me that why they support Trump, they're actually things Trump doesn't talk much about, but they are things Ron DeSantis talks a lot about. They, As one example, they kind of can pour into him what they want him to stand for. And in a sense— he does represent it as he has been able to leverage his own, shall I say, uh, victimhood to the elitism that has gone after him, particularly with the legal cases. He's on their side because he's a, he's, he has been victimized by this, too. And victim is not quite the right word, maybe assaulted by this. He is on yeah. their side and he can relate and they can relate to him because they're going after him in w- different ways, to be sure, but in the same kind of institutional elite culture way that his supporters feel they are being gone after. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's, it's a propinquity of that kind. I, I think that is a momentous and profound point for you to make, Seth, because quite frankly, all these people, what, what Ramaswamy was describing was people who are feeling like they are under assault. Right. And then they see this man who is running for president, who was president, who is all he knows assault. is assault is being under assault, right? Yeah. And and not only in some of the same ways and 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 ID issues and ideology and all that, but by the same institutions. Yep. yep. It's the exact same institutions that are oppressing the average American that are going after and targeting Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Whether it is the school system, the universities. The, you know, IRS, Mm -hmm. all of this stuff combines and they say, look, I'm a victim of this system. Mm -hmm. I'm being victimized and assaulted by this system. And here's this man who is refusing to be a victim, Mm -hmm. who's fighting back and he's under more assault than I am. Mm -hmm. And he's still standing there slinging. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, they can put all of their own frustrations and worries and and the attacks that are coming at them and they can say hey there's my ally he's my armor mm-hmm. this is how i stop feeling like this and it's why I, I tell i have this this thread with a bunch of my friends who are all in in politics and in you know official positions and consultants and this and that and the other and it's a mix it's a really good sounding board group I will never give away the names. No one of us will ever share the words. We go back and forth. We argue. Um, One of the differences that I see in that group is that the people who are the traditionalist Republicans, what you would call the establishment type Republicans in that, they do not understand this cultural shift that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they're, they they're with Mike Pence. Maybe they may not be supporting him, but that's their they, view. Yeah, they may not be supporting yeah, him. But, but, but you know, like one of the yeah. things that, that popped up a, a while back was someone said, oh, you know, look, I bet, you know, this and this will happen. And then Youngkin will come in and he'll take off. Yeah. And, and you know, this uh-huh. and I'm like, no, it won't happen. Yeah. He could jump in. Well. The first couple of things could happen. Well. But right now, if you think anyone's going to get past Trump, 
I'm sorry. I, I thought it was entirely possible six months ago. Yep. Me too. Three months ago, I thought it was an out. You know, he yep. was consolidating, yep. but it was still yep. up in the air. I do not think that's at all possible because yeah, I you and I rode the same exact. We surfed the same exact wave six months ago. I yep. thought vulnerable. Three months ago, I was thinking that door was closing, and I think it's almost closed right now. It's closed. Yeah, it's over. He's yeah. going to be the nominee. Yeah, and the reason is what we've been talking about because people are desperate. Mm-hmm. They are desperate for someone to be their champion. Yeah. And the failing, the absolute abject failure of the Republican Party of the last 30 years to to actually forward any of the conservative ideals and agendas that they have campaigned on is the reason that they can no longer gain traction and why even the people who would be for them because they're not for Trump are not coalescing in their camp. Yep. I could do five hours with you, Sam. I really could. I could do five hours with you. I would love that show, Seth, because these are hours. great discussions. They really are. I really appreciate you spending some of your afternoon with us. We've got to run, unfortunately, but there's always next week. But live your and day we'll and here. life is to its fullest. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> take care of those cats. I sent you the Magnum audio. You may like it. You may want like to tweet it out or Twix it out. Yes. Okay. Snap that Twix. (laughs) Snap that The the only website with a cookie crunch. Sam, we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks for everything. Seth, my pleasure. Okay. I am Seth Liebson, and we will be back with a final thought. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y Refi, great company, great citizens in our community. They have an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, which uh, should give you comfort if you're worried about stock market volatility or recession or bank failures. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. No loss of principal and no penalty. Uh, your interest is compounded daily. There are no fees. You're paid monthly. And um, it's uh, going to come to you with uh, your monthly statement with absolutely no surprises. It's just clear as a bell. And you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. 888-YREFI-24. You know, this conversation Sam and I just had about cultural issues, and there are various ways to look at the culture. Entertainment, obviously, education, um, any number of other uh, other ways. Culture has been described as kind of the the air we breathe as a civic society. And it reminded me of a column George Will wrote interviewing Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota running for president, where he said cultural issues are irrevel excuse me, cultural issues are irrelevant to presidential duties. Governor Burgum said cultural issues are irrelevant to presidential duties. Well then if that's true, um That means that almost everything outside of financial issues are um, irrelevant to presidential duties. I mean, the word culture is about – 
it, it has a it had a, has a lot of different meanings, but it's it's the way of literally cultivating cultivating a society. And if you're trying to tell me a president doesn't have something to do with the cultivation of society, and that everything here is merely an economic calculation or an economic calculus, um, you could end up having uh, an attempt at alabaster cities with no people in them or no people worthy of calling themselves a constitutional republic or an ordered republic of liberty. You could, in other words, have the version of a political neutron bomb here, and good luck finding the people to build those alabaster buildings in the first place. Culture is, in fact, the most important thing. David, thank you for everything today and all of you as well. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson, and God bless. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.